0: Hi everybody, this is Lee and I'm here with Jerry and Bob. We are One New Man Ministries. We are an Ephesians 2 ministry, a ministry of reconciliation between all believers and Yeshua HaMashiach, that's Jesus Christ. For Yeshua is our peace and his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is the hostility between us. That he might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. And he came to proclaim peace to all of us, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. Last week we were talking about Yeshua as the perfect judge, king, prophet and priest, and the the sacrifice for our guilt and this week we get to talk about how Yeshua as an example when he walked on this earth as a human being showed us what it means to look at other people with the eyes of God with the eyes of Yeshua Hameshiach. and on our website this is what it says to see another with the eyes of Yeshua HaMashiach, is to open yourself to their pain, to see them with compassion and love. So what are we going to talk about today, Jerry?
1: We have our Torah portion begins in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 10. It extends through twenty-five, nineteen, and it is a collection of various laws that touch on a whole variety of things all the way from uh, how soldiers are to behave when they see a captive woman that they like all the way to not messing with a bird's nest if the mother is sitting on eggs or has her young in the nest so there is just such a broad broad variety of various laws and I think uh, in our discussion earlier, um, it's it's a good, good way to think about these, that these are various case laws, case law studies, specific examples, to show the people how they are to conduct themselves as God's holy people. Um, you made the point that uh, last week we talked about Yeshua fulfilling all these various roles uh, perfectly for us, that he is the great prophet, the great high priest, the great judge, and I'm missing one, prophet, priest, king, the great king, right? And this week seems to be all right. Given all of that, then how do his people respond to his perfect uh, carrying out of those roles how, how, how should we then live I think Peter says uh, and and that's that's what this is going going to to portray and in a variety of ways it demonstrates a couple of different things it demonstrates how to be holy how to be just fair equitable it demonstrates how to walk uh, with God as uh, loving The Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself those are the things that we we talked about Uh, am I leaving one out I think we've so 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 this is really all about how do God's people behave in light of the fact that Yeshua is is the perfect priest king judge and prophet so uh, we need to uh, see Yeshua behind some of these laws uh, because Uh, Everything speaks about him. And if we apply these laws and think about Yeshua as he walked his days on earth, uh, that each one of these, not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law behind it, uh, having to do with justice and true loving uh, your neighbor as yourself, that he perfectly fulfilled each of those commandments. And I think it would be fair to say, and more. (laughs) Right? So before we get into the nuts and bolts of the various laws, and as I said, they, they range from, from A to, to Z and back through the alphabet again in some ways. Uh, and there's some very interesting ones that, that do point out some things. I think in general though, as, as, as we're talking about the Scripture and as readers of, of the Scripture, we have to understand that laws in societies change over time for various reasons. And that the the specific laws that are laid out here uh, probably, in many ways, do not apply directly into our culture today. And that's okay because we are maintaining that behind the law is a spirit, a principle of righteousness, of justice, of holiness. Uh, that of loving your neighbor that is greater than the specific case law. For instance, I'm sure if we went back where are we if we went back 150 years, <laughs> we would find laws on the books about how you should handle your horse and what would happen to you if you didn't handle your horse properly, right right. But those laws have been replaced because we don't do horses anymore. We have cars and trucks. And so now we have laws that apply to cars and trucks. And someday when we have flying cars, (laughs) we'll have different laws for that too. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. So, So the specifics of the law may have changed from that culture to ours, but the principle of the law remains the same throughout. Right. Fair enough? Absolutely.
0: So what are some of those principles like we talked about last week was justice, justice, and that the basis for justice is that each human being has inherent dignity because we are all created in the image of God. And that that is the common denominator, the the root basis for justice and for law?
1: Yes, we want to uh, absolutely maintain that because every single human being has been created in the image of God, every single human being has value and worth. Every single human being deserves then to be treated uh, with love and respect and dignity as the scripture lays out. And behind these laws then are those, those principles. Uh, the other one is, is the uh, vertical direction that they maintain holiness; they keep us pure before God. This is what God expects: do justice, love mercy. That's what these laws are all about, really—doing justice, loving mercy. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and 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 then I
0: think there's one more uh, that comes out in the parsha today, and and that's in in my. King James translation it says thou mayest not hide thyself and um, it's like in Deuteronomy 22 3 and 4 it's repeated twice it says thou shalt not see thy brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and hide thyself from them thou shalt surely help him to lift them up again so there's this idea that Your problems, I shouldn't look at them as they're your problems. You're my neighbor, but your problems are your problems. My problems are my problems. Your problems are not my problems. But there's this idea behind if I hide myself from you, then I'm hardening my heart to you. I'm not saying I care about you as my neighbor. I respect, you know your needs as important to, to me. They're also my needs and I should help serve them. So it's really behind, underneath of that is love thy neighbors thyself, you know, and that is an important principle of justice. And certainly Yeshua said it was the great commandment, just as much as loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and all thy might is to love thy neighbors thyself. And when you love your neighbor as yourself, you also uh, create unity within the community.
2: And uh, of course, when you do that, you're looking out for one another like it should be.
1: The impact of all the laws and what you've been talking about is something that we may tend to lose in our highly individualistic approach to life and society here in America. But biblically speaking, the community and the health and the welfare of the community is of paramount importance. And it's interesting, uh, the preamble to our Constitution, uh, somewhere in there it talks about uh, the role of the government to provide for the common good or the common welfare, that that idea of community is supposed to be part of who we are as Americans too, uh, but we have so gotten away from the collective idea of our human responsibility you know that we we have so highlighted the individual that we've forgotten the collective in other countries especially in the east the collective is so highlighted that the individual gets lost and the bible helps us find that fine line between maintaining our personal i And that's not a good word to use these days. Our our personal individuality, let me put it that way. Uh, But as part of, an important part of, the greater collective good. um, This is behind Paul's analogy with the body, right? That it's made up of many, many different members, but one body. And when one part is hurting, the whole body hurts hurts. So uh, when I bang my my thumb with a hammer, my thumb is really hurting. But, you know, up in my brain uh, is where it's registering. And so there's the, my thumb is, is what's physically injured. But the rest of me is participating in that pain. Right. Good point. So. And I, me, and, and, and,
0: and I think, you know, that as you were talking earlier about Yeshua, the the when he walked on earth, and the Sermon on the Mount's a perfect example when he talks about the spirit of the law, what's behind the spirit of law. If we understand that behind the spirit of all of these laws, the, there's a lot of specific case law examples of in this Torah portion, is this idea of loving thy neighbor as thyself that if i if i harden my heart towards my neighbor if i put myself elevate myself my own importance my needs my desires my wants not only am i not denying myself and as Jesus said, was a requirement to follow him. But I'm also, in a way, creating the habit of hardening my heart, which will carry over to my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. I can't harden my heart to my neighbor without it affecting the condition of my heart towards God. Those two things are dependent on each other.
1: I think without a doubt. Good point. So the uh, Messianic leaders have coupled 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, with this passage. And this kind of shows the New Testament approach to this uh, communal idea, because all of the laws that we find in Deuteronomy are really connected to the idea of keeping the community pure before God walking and working together watching out for one another right doing the things that promote justice and holiness that promote uh, fear of God all of those things together as as God's holy community Uh, and this is this is what happened in Corinth and Paul is really taking the same approach so in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 5 it says he is writing to this church in Corinth he says it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that's not tolerated even among pagans for a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant ought you not rather to mourn let him who has done this be removed from among you And so this is a blatant uh, transgression of very clear law that's laid out in the Old Covenant, right? The long list of who you should and who you shouldn't have relations with. Your father's wife is definitely one that you shouldn't have relations (laughs) with. And so Paul is, is, is not at all shy about bringing up the law and how this is A a transgression of the law and instead of mourning over the this this broken relationship this this injustice in in the community uh, they're arrogant about it their pride is look how broad-minded and open-minded we are we can put up even with this right right so he says ought you not rather to mourn let him who has done this be removed from among you so you need to quarantine this one, like he has the, uh, and I think it comes up in this passage too, about Tsaris, the leprosy. And leprosy isn't always the best translation, but this skin affliction that signifies, according to the rabbis, signifies God's judgment on something that that person has done. And uh, they also comment further that slander is usually the case. That that's why people were stricken with this skin affliction that our Bibles call leprosy in some places. But it's the same idea that when we see that happening on the skin, or remember there was a whole discussion about houses and walls and stones and what to do. Yes. When we see that happening, we need to impose the quarantine immediately. Right? Right. So he should be removed from among you. Now Paul talks about his own attitude and response. He says, "...Though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing." Interesting (coughs) side note here. One of the big verses that non-Christian people use, maybe the only Bible verse many of them know, is, "...judge not that you be not judged." (laughs) Right. Like we're supposed to just tolerate everything and have no moral judgment at all, uh, which is hilarious only because in the case of the person making the accusation, they are already making a judgment themselves. So Jesus, of course, right in that passage of the Sermon on the Mount, goes on to talk to them about places where they should be making judgments So clearly, there's a misunderstanding of what he means when he says judge not that you be not judged. He's talking about a spirit of judgmentalism, being a nitpicky about every little thing. uh, And rather than uh, being uh, gracious, I guess, is, 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 is the point. But there are definitely areas that need to be judged that cannot be affirmed, to use a word that's going around today. Uh, that this is contrary to god's law god's design god's nature God's ways, and we have to speak up not because we're we're being we're we're judging you but this is uh, in in a, in a sense prophetic we're we're trying to warn you you are overstepping the boundaries and something bad could happen
0: yeah I think the word boundaries there is an important word because clearly like in these case laws that we're reading about in Deuteronomy this week, there are boundaries. And and God provides boundaries for our benefit. I put before you the blessing and the curse. Soon he's gonna be, you know, good and evil, right? And and so if if we don't have boundaries where we know this is the line of good and evil if we allow all boundaries to be fluid what's your you know what what's the saying that people like you're good my good whatever everyone's good
1: i'm okay you're okay was an old old <laughs> saying <laughs>
0: you know but that <clears throat> boundaries are important because they're they're important to god because Dignity, so this idea of justice deriving from a person's inherent dignity because they're created in the image of God. Dignity doesn't mean we're all the same. We aren't all the same. Men are different than women. Women give birth. They nurture children. Men and at least in the past, have been the warriors. They go out and fight, you know, and and, and the, there's a lot of examples in this week's tour portion about the differences between men and women and the need to respect that boundary, not only to prote- provide and protect for women and to allow their them to have their nest and raise their children and to allow them to continue the name of the family and to raise and to have children um but there's also this idea that being a man has certain rights and certain uh things we need to respect about being a man. So uh, I, I think the, the, the boundary issue is important. God gives us boundaries to protect us so we know what is good and what is evil, because when we cross the boundary, which we all do, we all cross the boundary of, you know, what's right and wrong according to the law. We all need the salvation of Yeshua because we're not perfect and we need God's mercy. And so included in this partial are boundaries and judgment, but mercy.
2: And you see it all everywhere, Jerry. Look at um, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, 4. When, And let me read it. It says, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus with, with my spirit and with the power of our Lord Jesus, turn that one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that's the judgment piece of it then so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord so he wants to save his spirit you know that's that's the the eternal piece of it so I think that's you can see that judgment mercy in that that line too
1: without a doubt and we we want to point out that uh, they followed through on this and Many people, if not most people, look at what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians as an indication that their turning him out produced godly sorrow and true repentance. So that turning him out was indeed the loving thing to do. Uh, Putting him out where he suffered the consequences of uh, his choice, uh almost like the prodigal son right, right. suddenly you you see it was better back there and you repent and you come back and you and you and you confess your sin and you're cleansed from your sin and restored to to the fellowship in fact Paul sort of had to admonish the corinthians no take him back because he really has exhibited true sorrow right so there's a danger then once we've We've, we've we've done this then maybe we the the the, the congregation becomes uh, a- endangered by the the possibility of, of you know pursuing air quotes justice further than it, it it ought to be and there's the mercy and is greater than than, than judgment piece uh, that you know we, we we may get caught up as the congregation but the point I'm really looking at here is this idea that preserving the integrity of the community in its holiness in its righteous walk in its commitment to love one another and what we're saying here too though is the expression of love is sometimes going to be um, some kind of discipline some kind of rebuke some kind of warning some kind of excommunication uh, that to use the official word here he was excommunity He was put out of the community excommunicate put out of the community for a time until he repented and then he did so that that's really what this is about the integrity of the community and that's what all these these different laws are about is is preserving the integrity of the community as it walks out its call as God's holy people going all the way back to Leviticus 19 be holy as I am holy right
2: but it's also uh, just community but downsize it a little bit for the family also can you we can look at it that way
1: sure oh sure well I mean the family clearly is God's foundational building block I mean he began with Abraham and Abraham was given a family and the family grew and he had son a son and he well his sons but one son of promise who had what uh, two sons uh, but one son inherited the blessing and Jacob had 12 sons and they all went down to Egypt and all that bad stuff happened and but the families grew and the families grew until there was a nation but undergirding the nation of course is this is is the family unit that's why I honor your father and mother is is in the Ten Commandments uh, it's not slogans are, are, are tricky because they they often contain an element of the truth but not the whole truth it does take a community a village to raise a child but first it takes parents there you go. who are willing as as part of a community, to commit together that we are going to raise these children. But at nighttime, they come home to me. <laughs> there you, go. you know, I I remember when we were kids, you you could go out and play, and you know, if I go down to Billy's house, Billy's mom is watching over me just like I was her own. And when Billy came to my house, my mom was watching over Billy just like he was her own. But at nighttime, we we each went to our own moms. There you go. So that makes
2: yes. So she, but but it, it, it's the discipline and, and the and and the uh, correction that you bring your children. It, with that, brings that good fruit that we talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, without it, I can imagine what what chaos would bring.
0: Right. You know, and and just like uh, families need boundaries, discipline, communities need boundaries. I think what you were talking about in the Corinthian community is. That we have to be walking in the same direction for for to be righteous and be holy as I am holy, right? And and it's interesting some of the uh, examples given here, I think, in Deuteronomy point to that. Like it says <clears throat> that uh, thou shalt in Deuteronomy uh, what is that twenty two nine and ten. It says, Thou shalt not sow the vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest the fullness of the seed which thou hast sown be forfeited together with the increase of the vineyard. And you think about how if, if good is sown with bad, okay, we'll mm-hmm. say two different seeds, how they can choke each other out and the fullness of the, of the increase of the vineyard is going to be forfeited and then it says, thou shalt not plow with an ox and a donkey together. And it's this whole idea of if, if you have an ox and a donkey pulling, plowing together, they're unequally yoked. They're going to fight against each other. It's going to be inefficient. It's not going to achieve the desired result. And I think, you know, when Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about um, how anger is akin to murder and how looking at a, another woman with lust is akin to adultery. He's really talking about disordered desires and properly ordered desires. And I think, you know, that, that that's sort of the underlying principle here is that we, as a, community, as a family, as a community, as a church— We need to be pulling in the same direction. And that part of treating each other with love, like you said, Jerry, is correcting each other with mercy. You know, it's not harsh judgment. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, it's judgment, and it's judgment done from a point of view of mercy and love, like God himself who is merciful and gracious, full of steadfast love and truth and righteousness? so
1: yes if we if we think that love is the uh, desire to see and do what's best for the other, uh, and to sacrifice ourselves to to see that happen, you know we Jesus comes and gives himself in that way. So when we see someone who is choosing things that we know are contrary to what God's will is, and by will I'm using it in the broadest sense here where Paul says here's the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness, your, your uh, the, the, the closeness of your walk with God. If we, if we could put it, that that that's God's will, and so when we see people who are going off the path, who are crashing through the guardrails, who are about to go over the cliff, it is not loving to be silent about it, is it? It's true. And and so you know we, we need to see that that is part of our love for someone, is is that direction? I mean, just as parents, we 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 we. Love our kids. We don't want to see them burn their hands, so we say, "Stay away from the stove." You know, those, those kinds of things. You know, don't poke the dog with a stick, or he'll bite you. <laughs> those kinds of things. We we correct, and because we love, and so that really should be carrying over into the church. But we again, I think, in our society, and this kind of gets to the uh, if you see your donkey or your, your your brother's donkey going wrong. What if you see your brother going wrong?
2: Gently approach him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <clears throat> well,
0: it's what it says is don't hide yourself. In other words, don't say, oh, I see he's going down the wrong path and it isn't going to turn out good for him, but uh, it's not my business. Not my business.
1: Yeah. Uh, you have, it says don't hide yourself. My English standard version says don't ignore it. you can't look the other way
0: that's that's really hardening your heart I mean it really isn't and 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 it goes back to what I was saying about our little phrase on the internet to see another person with the eyes of Yeshua is to see their pain and to see their suffering and and to to see them with eyes of compassion That's basically what that means. Mm -hmm. And that
2: is walking in the spirit, wouldn't you say, Lee?
1: Yeah. Um, So if we flip back then to Deuteronomy, uh, as I said, there's there's just such a wide range of laws. Uh, I'm going to begin with one in particular, uh, and then I'm just going to ask you guys, which ones jump out at you that you want to talk about? Because... There there are so many. But let me start with this one. Uh, In Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22, it says, If a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. The custom was to stone people. That was the method of execution. Hanging was not a method of execution. Hanging was reserved for the most heinous of crimes that were committed, and it was a public display, a caution against others who might be tempted. there is that element involved. There is the public exposure to uh, let people know in the community, this man has done something so awful. Uh, we, we want to just reinforce this, this notion that we do not accept, we will not tolerate uh, this sort of behavior, right? right? But don't leave him hanging over overnight. You must take him down, give him a proper burial. So the respect still for the human dignity, even in a criminal. The further uh, respect for the land that God has given, right? You shall not defile your land. So if you left him on the tree overnight, you would be defiling the, the land because you did not give him a proper burial. So this is one of those things, people often say, well, yeah, sure, Yeshua fulfilled all these prophecies because he knew what they were and he walked them out. He, He knew what he had to do. Well, except that this was one that was carried out after he was dead that he had absolutely no control over. When they came to him, they were surprised that he was dead and so the soldier pierced him in the side with his spear and they didn't need to break his legs. Another prophecy... And they took him down and buried him that day. And so
2: in a rich man's tomb, on my
1: might in list. a rich man's tomb. Yes, exactly.
2: And so another prophecy is fulfilled.
1: Well, that's uh, an interesting one because uh, that's going to be in Isaiah 53, which we're going to touch on a little bit later. But yes, in a rich man's tomb. So so we find Yeshua in all kinds of interesting places in the Old Covenant. Uh, as we said, So, all of these laws in one way or another, uh, reflect his holy character, his perfect relationship with the Father, his perfect relationship with all of mankind around him, uh, how he was able to be uh, holy and just and righteous in all of his dealings with, with the people around him. But this one in particular then is something that is is a messianic indicator Let's say not, not, not directly a prophecy, but but something that was part of the law that Jesus, even in his death, uh, you know, he, he came to fulfill all the law. He came to show its proper goal, its proper end. That's what fulfill is is talking about here. He came to show that. And so even in a little detail like this, we see Yeshua behind it in, in it and behind it and through it all. And he became a curse for us. You know
2: that's that's what I, s- I see here, so that we would have life in
1: Him. Exactly. You know the, this is this is the passage that Paul picks up in Galatians to talk about how he became the curse on the tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Right.
2: That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Extraordinary. If you are. Struggling with sin and you want to be right with God you need to come to Jesus because he has taken the curse He has taken all our unrighteousness that we might be made righteous in him through him So what are some other laws that you
2: well, I sherry one thing here that in Isaiah that we could take In Isaiah that we could take it says I hid my face from you for I hid my face from you for a moment.
1: Too, uh, too Go ahead. Okay.
2: I hid my face from you for a moment, but okay. I will have compassion on you with everlasting love. So this is also, I mean, he's he's fulfilling, you know, not only in the, uh, Yeshua's fulfilling the Deuteronomy, he's also fulfilling the half Torah and he's also fulfilling the New Testament, mm-hmm. all in one thing here. So I wanted to point that out.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, one of the laws that stood out for me, and 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 I think... Jerry that you brought up a really good point about we all struggle with sin and you know one of the benefits of you know having a recital of different types of sins like we read this week in different case laws is you know something might jump out oh I'm struggling with that one oh he's struggling with that one so and and one sin isn't worse than another sin necessarily because, you know, we all being sinners need salvation and we need the atonement, the once and for all atonement of Yeshua HaMashiach on the cross. We need the cross so that we can be made right with God and can be regenerated into a new man and and to be able to walk in the sense of God's forgiveness and mercy that only comes through the cross, the price that God himself paid by giving his only begotten son. So, you know, when I talk about this next sort of set of sins, I'm not on some crusade here. I'm just saying that I this is one that dropped, that jumped out at me because it talks about the boundary between sexes between Mm -hmm. men and women and it's important in our world today and this is from Deuteronomy 22 5 and 6 I'm going to start with 6 it says if you come on a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground with fledglings or eggs with the mother sitting on the fledgling or on the eggs you shall not take the mother with the young let the mother go, taking only the young for yourself in order that may, that it may go well with you and you may live long. There, that, That's the one that goes back mm-hmm. to honor thy mother and father in order that it may go well with you and you may live long. Right. Right? But, you know, there, there is a distinction between man and woman from the beginning of the Bible. And praise the Lord, because we all... Are in this world because of women, our mothers. And the, the sanctity of motherhood is what this is about. And, you know, that ye shouldn't take the mother and their young, because the mother is what gives birth, what nourishes, what n- nurtures the young. And it's our job as men to protect the sanctity of motherhood that is endowed only to the feminine gender. And so God does make a boundary, and there are several, you know, verses in these chapters about the boundaries between men and women and how men are supposed to treat women when they marry them, when they're, you know, laws against terrible things like rape, you know, and when they're betrothed and, you know, when they're captured in war. But I, I think this is one that we need to read, and that's two five. A woman shall not wear a man's apparel, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment— for whoever does such things is abhorrent to the Lord your God. This might not be a popular thing I'm saying, but it needs to be said because there are boundaries between the sexes and between the genders. and, And those boundaries are there for the correct ordering of not just our personal desires and keeping our... Hearts in a in a way that we can worship God, but also like you were talking about for families, for the community, and it's not that that set of sins is worse than and makes someone abhorrent to the God to God and other sets of sins don't. It's just we need to stand for what is good what is right or wrong life or death good or evil because that is the choice that God has put before us and as we're going to read I think next week or the week after I put before you life or death good or evil choose life God is making it very clear these are the boundaries
1: I think that's so important what you said that there is not a set of sins that is worse than other sins Uh, all sin is leads to death
2: and some sins have more uh, more consequences to go along with it that so I mean it's
1: well yes. yes at a human level some sins right. are, are air quotes again worse because of the consequences that, right. that range out but in terms of, of the, the the vertical relationship between God and man sin breaks that relationship no matter how big or little we might call get, that sin. Oh, it was white. just a little white lie, right? right. Well, guess what? <laughs> that is enough to break the relationship as much as murdering uh, your your brother, right? Right. So that's what we're saying about that. But it is true that the Bible has some things to say about what you were just talking about. Let me just read the note that I have uh, from my uh, study Bible on that. <clears throat> it talks about Uh, Women were not to adopt the accoutrements of the male like carrying weapons. Men were not supposed to dress as women. The symbols of gender difference were to be respected, and while such symbols vary over time and from culture to culture, the principle of gender distinction remains. And we find that uh, in Genesis 1:27, where God says he made them male and female. So what we're talking about is the creation order. And Paul uh, refers to that in his conversation about leadership in 1 Timothy 2:13. 13. Uh, violations of the creation order, such as homosexuality and bestiality, both of which are mentioned in Leviticus, as well as in a couple of places in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Timothy 1. These things God calls abomination. Okay? So when we say what we say, again, it's not us making the judgment. We are just trying to be honest with everybody, with ourselves, with our listeners, uh, that this is what God is saying. He He made people to be a certain way, and he wants that distinction maintained.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if <coughs> if we don't, realize that God's holiness right like you said earlier be holy because God is holy and that he's the whole thing we've been reading all these weeks about how God makes these rules for how a holy God can cohabitate with man, You know, if you want to say cohabitate, yes. I mean, you know, how the Holy Spirit can come in our heart. You know, when we're believers in Yeshua, Yeshua asks the fathers and the Holy Spirit to dwell in our heart. It's how we can keep our conscience clean so we can commune with God. This is his rules for that. It's mm-hmm. not that, oh, I'm a Republican and... Oh, you're a Democrat and those are republic I have Republican ideals. you have Democrat and we're at war. no. this is you know how we as a society can have boundaries that allow us to move in a direction towards good, not evil. Mm-hmm. You know if mm-hmm. when we when we don't respect boundaries, we open doors for, For evil.
2: And I think it's... When we're reading this, I think it's God's ordered desires conflict with our inherent disordered desires. And this is what we got to yield to to make this pleasing to Him, again, good for us. You know, in in, uh, in the Old Testament, God says, you know, obey those Ten Commandments for your own good. (laughs) You know, just don't please me, but do it for yourself.
0: And and we're all working on being more obedient. You know, we all break some laws you know and and it's not it's just we should support each other in our walks not just give up and break down all the boundaries of morality and say oh you're good my good whatever do whatever you want no yeah we we all need to try to progressively be more obedient right and we all need salvation because we we will fail.
2: Yes, and and because of that salvation, what I like, what you just mentioned, Lee, is that that when we know we're saved, we we thank God that's saving us. Thank you for the free gift that you've given to me. And now the response to that, we're obedient. We try to do everything that we can to please Him.
1: Amen. Yeah, we always want to put obedience in in the right light. We are not trying to gain status or with God or earn His favor. Uh, we're not trying to get right with God through our obedience that know. righteousness that that standing with God's already been achieved by Yeshua what we are talking about when we talk about being obedient is that being in a love relationship with the God who made the universe who knows the perfect design and therefore knows the way that we should go gives us these, Rules or laws, whatever you want to call them, that we should obey first out of love because they come from God, but secondly, because they are describing the, the, the healthy path for us to be on. But thirdly, and, and I don't know if it's most important or not, but remember our calling, brothers, is to be conformed to the image of the Son. How can we be shaped like Jesus if we don't obey the laws that reflect who Jesus is? I mean, it's, 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 it's a spiritual impossibility. I was listening to a podcast... Uh, talking to the lead singer of uh, a, a Christian heavy metal band, uh, Skillet, and the guy's name is John Cooper, and he's a really interesting guy, uh, right on, uh, with with his his, uh, his his biblical understanding about who Jesus is, who we are as Jesus people, and he uh, is is talking about his particular niche in the Christian music industry, and what he feels the culture is crying for and most needful uh, in the church and out is holiness. Holiness. A return to real godly behavior on the part of of the church. And he didn't say so in his uh, podcast, but I know from the readings that I've done over the years that a recapturing of of the importance of holiness in the church is has always been the precursor to revival. Amen. That revival happens when the people begin to get serious about sin and driving sin out and being obedient and working with the Holy Spirit to be holy as he is holy. That that's the thing. That God is looking for be holy as I am holy and when you do then you are living in the blessing not the curse right and that that is really when we can become the blessing to the world that we're intended to be when we're actually doing the things living the life that God wants us to be living
0: Amen. and you know Jerry we can't do it on our own and we need Yeshua HaMashiach Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior who went to the cross and bore the sins of each of us individually and of all of us collectively so that we could be regenerated and through the resurrection into a new man individually and collectively and you know it 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 is really interesting that last week our half Torah portion was Isaiah 51 and 52 which heralds announced the salvation of our God Yeshua Eloheinu and his name Yeshua announced Yeshua our God and this week's half Torah is Isaiah 54 and it skips Isaiah 53 which is a direct description, as it were, of Shua and his life and his atonement for us. So we really want to talk a little bit about that to our brothers and sisters and our Jewish brothers and sisters, because they don't read Isaiah 53 mm-hmm. as a half Torah in in the synagogues and the temples. And it's important we, we ask our Jewish brothers and sisters to pick it up and read it you can't skip you can't skip chapters in this book <laughs> you can't go 51, 52, 54 I'm skipping 53
1: yeah. so the interesting thing about the Haftorah reading is 52 has this two different places where it uses Yeshua's name Uh, in the context of the salvation of God. See the salvation of God. And then 54 begins with Sing, O barren woman. It's not clear exactly from 52 to 54 why the barren woman should just start singing. Chapter 53 is there between them. And it's a sad fact that most Jewish people are not familiar with Isaiah 53. And I think Bob, you had a story about uh, a, a messianic Jew.
2: Yes, he was uh, Sid Roth was on the television the other night, and he he became a messianic Jew a number of years ago. But he was reading to his father chapter 53 in uh in isaiah and his father said stop i don't want to re- don't don't read that i don't want to hear about jesus he goes dad that's in the hebrew bible is, is isaiah 53 so that to me speaks volumes and if you want to share that with the group mm-hmm. jerry and it, 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 what 53 <coughs> says to some of our listeners they may not know what is what it says yes least indeed frankly.
1: i do and If you're not familiar with this passage, it is so profound in the ways that it describes Yeshua's life so dramatically. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So there's Yeshua from a very humble background. Nothing outstanding about his uh, lineage, uh, just the son of some, some peasant people in the village. Nothing special about his physical appearance, apparently. But then it goes on to talk about him that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And so there it is, the righteous taking on our unrighteousness. We thought he had it coming, but indeed he had taken what we deserved. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. So when he took those lashes, God was bringing blood into the picture. The blood, the life is in the blood. And he is pouring out his blood, giving up his life for us. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And so he made no lengthy defense or strenuous defense. Uh, He was interrogated by Herod. He was interrogated by Pilate. He was interrogated by the Sanhedrin.
2: They found no fault in him.
1: And they found no fault in him. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. As for his generation, that is, his children, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This one that we esteemed stricken, that we didn't think would ever have any offspring, when he accomplishes the will of the Lord, he will have offspring, and the Lord's will will prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By knowing him, shall this righteous one, my servant, make many, To be accounted righteous. There it is again. He became, he took our sins. He who knew no sin became uh, sin for us that we might become the righteous in God. He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Wow. Isn't that Yeshua?
2: That's 700 years before Yeshua came.
1: And so here he is. He takes on sin for us. We were the sheep who went astray, and the chastisement for our peace was upon him. The will of the lord was to crush him it was god's will to carry out salvation through yeshua salvation by knowing him many will be accounted righteous and so this dead one apparently clearly has come back to life because now having borne the sin of many he makes intercession for the transgressors and this is exactly what hebrews tells us yeshua our high priest ever lives to make to, to make intercession for us, and now we get to chapter fifty four. There's a reason for the barren, childless one, because remember he was going to be childless, but now through his sacrifice and his offering, children uncountable. Now he says, "Sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married," says the Lord. Wow. Oh. We want to encourage all of our listeners and particularly our Jewish listeners to really consider Isaiah chapter 53 that the righteous servant, singular, he bore your sins that you might be made righteous with God through faith in him. We're all out of time. We'd like to pray with you, invite you to uh, let us know if uh, you have Uh, said today's the day that I want to follow Jesus I want to give my heart to God and I want to be counted righteous through faith in him so if that's where your heart is at would you pray along with me and then would you let us know on Facebook one new man ministries international father in heaven I thank you for Isaiah 53 and this dramatic picture of Yeshua the Savior I'm sorry that I was one of those sheep that had gone astray and that it was necessary for my sins to receive their just punishment. But I am so thankful that you chose Yeshua to take that punishment for me. And now I ask you to make Yeshua my Savior. I give myself to you and ask that you would forgive me through Yeshua that you would make me your son or daughter through Yeshua that you would put your Holy Spirit in my heart through Yeshua and that I would desire to walk in all of your ways and to please you all of my days I pray it in the name of Jesus Yeshua the Savior Amen Let us know if that was your prayer. We're glad you were with us, and we hope to see you back next week. God bless you.